Um, the year was 2004, and there was this young couple that was soon to be moving to Birmingham. And uh, Mary and I came, and we were visiting the seminary. We were going to be studying at. We were looking and begging somebody to give us a job so we could pay our rent and eat while we were here. And it just so happened that weekend, the SEC baseball championship was happening out in Hoover. And we were going back to South Carolina, but we thought, well, we're here, right? We should go. And we barely made it before the game started, kind of went in on two wheels. I was focused on getting to my seat in the general admission section of the stadium. And Mary, who, I'll just tell you this about her. She's not in here, is she? She's got a little gambling bone in her body, friends. And we were going in, and we passed these people with this contest, Dr. Pepper, best seat in the house. And I was like, Mary, we ain't got time for this. Like, we got to get to our seat. We're going to miss the game. She's like, just let's enter the contest. I was like, fine. And I think she winked at the guy and all this other. And you put our kind of our ballots there on top, went in, watched the first two innings. And if you've been to Hoover, you know, end of May, 1st of June, and you sit in the sun, it's just kind of miserable, right? You're sitting over there baking. And at the end of the second inning, the PA announcer comes over. The intercom says, um, Mary Spawn, you've been chosen for best seats in the house. And I look at Mary, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So we got up and, and took the honorable walk right there behind home plate. And we got to watch South Carolina win the SEC baseball championship right there from behind home plate. I did not have a smartphone at that point, but I did have a cell phone. And my parents and others knew that we were there, and they called, and they're like, you're on TV. And we, you know, we were those people behind the catcher like, you know, we were, we were called up from the lowly, humble general admission section to right there behind home plate in the seat of honor. And it felt really good. But I've also had moments either at sporting events or concerts or a play. I wish I'd been to more plays, to be honest with you. Anyway, whatever the event was, and you've ever been there and you've taken your ticket and you think you're in the right seat, and you sit down and you get nestled in there. And then there's that awkward moment where somebody walks up and you're like, ah, I think you're in my seat. Even worse if they bring the usher with them. Because you're like, did I appear to be the kind of person who wouldn't be reasonable and move? Did you need an authority figure? But they come down there, especially if it's dark, and you're like, sorry. You know? And you have to go and you're like, actually, you're not in section A. You're in section double A. You're up there, right? And you kind of take that humiliating walk back up there to the section that you paid for. Proverbs has um, quickly become one of my favorite books. Um, I've told you I read Proverbs every day. So whatever day it is, I read that chapter. Today I read Proverbs 16. And I take some nugget of wisdom for it. And I've been so um, convicted of the fact that, that Christianity is hope for everlasting life. It's hope for um, our understanding of what happens to us when we pass from this life. But Christianity is also wisdom for this life. That God in his kindness and mercy um, decides to guide us through this life, oftentimes 
if we would just listen into the paths of life that will ultimately be best for us and help us further his kingdom. And so, so Christianity is not just a hope for the great by and by, but it's a hope for how to live our lives now. And in this passage today, it's such an interesting one, and I kind of wrestled with it all week. It's like, what's the truth and how do we apply it to our lives? He says, don't put yourself forward in the king's presence. Don't, don't walk in to the feast and think, I think that's my seat up there. But instead, because what might happen? He might come in and say, uh, can I see your ticket? Actually, you're back there. But instead, take the seat that's more humble, and it feels really good if you've kind of underestimated your significance and they move you up closer. And there's this, this part of life that, that you and I, if we're not careful, as we're going through life, there can be this tendency to not be very content and satisfied with where we are in the moment. To think there's this better thing out there, and if I just make it to this better thing out there one day, then I'll be satisfied, then I'll be happy, then everyone will recognize me for the genius that I am. And one day I'll get to that seat of honor up there. And a few things that it reveals about us, um, I think, in our fallen state, and one of them is that we think we know what's ultimately best for us. We think we know, like, if I had that job, or if I was a member of this group, or if I could do that thing up there, then ultimately my heart would be satisfied and I would thrive. And the truth of the matter is, that it might be that in God's timing and in his grace and kindness and mercy, he might be preparing you for some other thing down the road. But in the moment, God's just calling you to be faithful and to trust that he's present and he's at work in every season of life, giving you exactly what you need for that moment. And can also make us incredibly ungrateful and miss out on the blessings that are all around us. You remember that saying that the grass is always greener where? On the other side. Any of you ever gotten to the other side and found out it wasn't quite as good as you thought it would be? Right? You're like, oh, if I was only in this position or had this or that, then my heart would be satisfied. And you look back and you're like, Lord, I should have been grateful for that moment and that time and all that you entrusted to me. So the Lord is just really graciously and kindly coming alongside us and saying, wherever it is that God has you in this moment, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to be thinking. Don't presume that this seat or that thing is what it is that you need to be in in this moment. But, but every day, take what God gives you as a sign of his grace and his kindness. Be humble enough to walk in that and trust that if he has some other plan or purpose for you later on, He'll make that plain in his time, in his purpose, and everything up to this point will be preparing you for that. Another problem that happens when we think more highly of ourselves than we ought, and we think that we ought to be in a different position than we are, is that sometimes we can see each other as competitors rather than as friends and helpers. Have you ever been in a situation like that? I see it. I talk about baseball too much. It's one of my great sins. Forgive me. But you see it like in minor league baseball. If you go to a minor league baseball game, largely those people are not friends. Right? 
Because if you do really well, then that means that I'm not getting the spotlight. And in that moment or in that kind of environment where everyone's kind of elbowing and looking for that top spot, it's really hard to build any sense of genuine community and camaraderie and teamship, teamwork and fellowship, right? And so God's saying, if each of us would be content, if each of us would be grateful for what God's given us in that moment and in that season, and trust that if he has some bigger place of honor for us to be in one day, that it's not for our glorification, but it's for his honor and glory in and through us, and that anything that you and I do in this world that is this prestigious thing in the eyes of others ultimately is not for our glorification, not ultimately for us to sit in a place of honor, but for us to then say, Lord, why do you have me here for something bigger and more important than myself? Most of us are not going to be famous, right? Most of us are going to kind of move through life and play our part and do our thing for God and his kingdom. And one day we will pass from this life. But God and his plans and his purposes are forever. So rather than you and I being hungry for honor or glory or some position that sets us apart, It would be so much more healthy if we saw that as a great responsibility should God ever put us in that place. Something to be stewarded, not something to be savored for our own glory, um, for God's purposes and his kingdom ultimately. And here's the thing, I see this um, all throughout scripture. One of the things that I would implore you to do, if you don't, is to read the Bible daily. As you read the Bible, you see these things oftentimes just pop out at you everywhere. Um, I just recently read the book of Ruth. If you want to leave church today and you say, I'm going to read a whole book of the Bible from front to back, Ruth might be a good option. It's four chapters. But it's this wonderful story of a lady named Naomi. Well, it starts off bad. It starts off really sad. Okay, Naomi and her husband, they have to leave and go to Moab, which would be kind of like, for some of you, South Carolina, right? You had to go like to this terrible place because there was a famine. Her um, husband, her sons die. She's left with these two daughters-in-law. And she's like, hey, you know what? Save yourself. Go back to your people. I'm going back home. Sorry it didn't work out better. Except for Ruth, what does she do? She's like, no. I'm going to go with you. I'm not leaving your side. Naomi tries to talk her out of it. Listen, this is not going to end well. In case you haven't noticed, I'm old. I'm not having any kids. Even if I did have a kid, you're going to die before they can uh, have children. Like, go back. She's like, no, I'm going to do the next right thing. So she goes to, um, back to Jerusalem with her. They meet whom? Boaz. If any of you are expecting a son anytime soon. Boaz, you could do worse if you're looking for a name. Boaz, this man of integrity who owns fields, she finds her way to Boaz's field. She just does the next right thing, taking care of her mom, her mother-in-law, working for them. Ultimately, Boaz and Ruth get married, and they have a kid. And um, who ultimately comes from their line? You may know. Jesus. Yeah. Just these 
people that you and I probably wouldn't think to think about had we been living around them. Obscure people doing the right next best thing that God's called them to, and he uses them in his time for his purposes. I started the book of First Samuel. First Samuel is a very interesting book. Right early on, you meet a lady named Hannah. Hannah has no children. She's totally dependent upon the Lord to do something in her life that she can't do for herself. She throws herself on God's mercy. She prays. The Lord gives her a kid, a son that she dedicates to him, named Samuel. Some of these are obvious answers. I'm just feeding it to you. I'm reading 1 Samuel, right? Samuel. Samuel ends up becoming a priest in the Lord's house. The Lord uses him for his plans and purposes. He didn't choose someone up in some palace or some kingdom. He uses this lady that nobody maybe would have looked at twice and exalts her. I encourage you to go back and read 1 Samuel chapter 2 as she rejoices in God's gracious work in her humble life. Keep going through in the gospel accounts when you read about the parents of John the Baptist. Likely candidates or not? Not. Well advanced in years, no child. Lord visits um, them through Gabriel and says, you're going to have a kid who's going to be really significant in God's salvation purposes in the world. So much so that he can't believe it's going to happen, so he has to be mute for a while. And then, who is the mother of Jesus? Mary. This young virgin, nobody would have thought twice about, Joseph, a carpenter. And God calls these really humble people to be a part of his redemptive plans and purposes in the world. It's not that they were upwardly mobile. It's not that they had the right resume and had done all these things to... um, fill out their resume so that they could be impressive or powerful in the sight of the Lord of the world. And go back and read Mary's song of praise. And she rejoices that God looked on her in her humble estate and did this wonderful work in and through her. Think about Paul, an unlikely candidate to be used for God and his purposes. And before Paul could be used in a powerful way by the Lord, he needed to be humbled. He needed to be turned around and set on the right path. He had to be blind and led by someone along the path. And ultimately, God, through his humility, uses him to be one of the apostles to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And you and I read his letters um, almost all the time in worship, right? And then ultimately, Jesus. Jesus. That Jesus showed his glory most fully by humbling himself, by being born, by coming and um, in all outward appearances, he was just a normal person like you and me. And he became obedient even to the point of death on a cross. The most lowly, humiliating thing that Jesus could have done. But God in his providence and his wisdom and his mercy chose to use Jesus in his most humble and humiliating point for you and I to have salvation. Therefore, God has exalted him and given him the name above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here's the thing. 
likely um, you and I will live somewhat obscure lives that nobody may know our name or what we've done or what we've accomplished. But God, as we are just faithful to his plans and his purposes in this world, that whatever season we're in, whatever he's put before us, if we will be faithful to his calling upon our lives, he might be pleased and gracious to use us for his plans and purposes in ways that you and I may never know in this world. So rather than setting your sights on glory, fighting other people and thinking that you have to be justified in this life by what you accomplish or some title that you have, be grateful that God allows you to be a part of his people through faith in Jesus Christ and be astounded that he wants to use you for his plans and purposes in this world. Just humbly go about what it is that God's called you to be about in this world and in his time God will exalt you either in this life or in the next if you would to pray with me Lord we thank you for your word and we thank you that though sometimes we feel like we are um, overlooked though sometimes we think that others deserve or owe us more than we see happening in our lives Lord I pray that you would Give us the faith to believe that even when we can't see your hand at work, that we know that you're present. Lord, that you would give us this overwhelming sense of awe and wonder. That we get to know you, that we get to be a part of your work in this world, that we get to be called your children. So Lord, we pray that you would help us to embrace a humble life, that you would help us to not have disdain for the good things that we see you doing in our lives in this season, whatever that season is. Help us to not see other people as competitors or those who are taking what's rightfully ours, but that we would believe in your providence at work in our lives and that you, in your time, that you will accomplish more than we could dare to dream or believe if we would just be faithful to whatever it is that you've called us in this season. And we love you and we thank you that you love us. We offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen.